Hey, uh, I got a little secret. You want to hear it? The North Carolina Tar Heels have this newfound dynamic that might just propel them to a national championship this weekend in New Orleans. And uh, for some reason, nobody's talking about it. But you know who is? I am, and we are, today on this episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Oh yeah, the Tar Heels figured out how to play a little defense. Whoops! You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch every single day. Don't forget that we are free and available anywhere that you get podcasts. Well, it's Wednesday. That means it's just three short days until the Tar Heels get to hashtag ruin another retirement party. That's right. If you're on social media, here's what we're doing this week. This week's hashtag is ruin another retirement party. I already did the first one. It's time to do it all over again and send Coach K packing. Also, uh, I love this community that we've been developing here. And something really cool is that because we reached a certain threshold of subscribers on YouTube, we're able to have a YouTube community on the Locked on Tar Heels channel now. So thank you so much for all the subscribing you're doing. By the way, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the NCAA tournament. So please go subscribe right now while you're listening or while you're watching. Just hit that subscribe button on YouTube. That'd be great. Anyway, on the YouTube channel, now you can get in on this community and be part of what we're talking about with the Tar Heels. I posed a couple questions in there already about who your favorite Tar Heel is, who you think is going to be in the national championship game. The other awesome community that we get to do, you might or might not have seen this, Twitter has rolled out communities now. And so they're letting me open up the one for North Carolina Tar Heels for the athletics. And so uh, if you get on Twitter and get into communities, just search for North Carolina Tar Heels and you'll find our community there and I'll just have to accept you in. If you don't see the communities tab on Twitter, shoot me a message here on YouTube. You can tweet at me, you can send an email, whatever, and I'll get you into the group. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. The other thing we got to talk about today, you see this little fine piece of fabric that I'm wearing? That says North Carolina 23 right there on it. If you're listening and you're not watching, I'm wearing my Michael Jordan North Carolina jersey. Why is that? Well, you probably already know, but yesterday, Tuesday, was the 40th anniversary of the 1982 National Championship game. Coach Dean Smith's first national championship, the time when Michael Jordan hit that shot uh, with like 16 seconds left against Georgetown to give the Tar Heels a 63-62 lead, and then they were able to salt it away on the defensive end when... Boneheaded play by Georgetown, but threw it right to James Worthy. They run out the clock. He he takes a free throw, misses, but it's all over. 
Tar Heels win. So, of course, we're rocking the jersey of the greatest ever to do it. That's right, LeBron LeBron uh, apologists, get out of here with that noise. It's all about Michael Jordan. So I told you off the top that uh, the Tar Heels have this dirty little secret that they learn how to play defense. And boy, oh boy, I did a deep dive on the numbers of it. And yeah, things are humming along quite nicely. Now, if you've been keeping up tabs on the Tar Heels this year, you know that Leaky Black is an elite defender in the eyes of most people that are here listening to this and a lot of other people around the conference should have been the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. But I digress from that one. Now, while we talk so much about Leakey and all his great defense, what we're actually talking about today is how much of a team effort this is. The defense that has been displayed lately. And so I went inside the numbers I want to bring you inside with me so you can see just exactly what Carolina has been doing over the last uh, two months or so of the season. And so here's kind of the cutoff line. That really bad home loss to Pittsburgh that occurred back in February. Remember that, right? Not good. The only non, uh, the only loss that wasn't in quad one or two was a quad four loss. Big old dinger on Carolina's resume because they hadn't beaten Duke and Cameron yet, and so they had to deal with that. So there have been eleven games since that Pittsburgh game. The Tar Heels are ten and one in those games. We, I said it before this week, but that one loss was to Virginia Tech in the ACC semifinals. And so there have been f- there were five regular season games after Pitt six postseason games that we're up to at this point. So let's break it down categorically by defense here. The the basic thing people look at when they're thinking about defense is field goal percentage or points. Um, And so we'll get a little deeper into the analytics of it in a second, but field goal percentage is one of the basic um, stats, the counting stats that people look at. So let's look at that. Prior to that game against Pittsburgh, Carolina on the season was allowing its opponents to shoot 43.5% from the field, over 40%. In the 11 games since that, that field goal percentage has dropped to 40.2% per game. In fact, the Tar Heels held six of those opponents, six of those 11 opponents under 40% shooting, and held nine of those opponents under 45% shooting. And so continuing to move along there. Only two of those opponents shot higher than 45% for a game. Now, in the NCAA tournament, that number has plummeted even further. So 43.5% on the season, 40.2% in the games, in the 11 games since the pit game. In the four NCAA tournament games, Carolina's opponents are shooting a combined 38% from the field under 40%. In fact, three of them shot under 40% for the game. The lone exception was Baylor, given that crazy comeback that they had. But Marquette, UCLA, St. Peter's all shot below 40% for those games. Carolina is dialed in and stopping more shots. Now, it's not just shots in general. Their ability to guard the three-point line has blown up in these 11 games that we're talking about. Listen to these numbers. Prior to the pit game, Carolina was allowing their opponents to shoot 35.7% from beyond the arc. The 11 game the 11 games since then, that number has dropped from 35.7%. Now in those 11 games, 
under 30%. Carolina's opponents in those 11 games are shooting 29.9% from three. Nine of those opponents shot under 40%. Six of those 11 opponents shot under 30% from three in that span. And if we look at just the four NCAA tournament games, the number drops even lower. In the four NCAA tournament games, Carolina's opponents are shooting just 26.8% from beyond the arc. So before, before and including that pit game, the opponents were shooting 35.7. It's dropped almost full 10 percentage points in the four NCAA tournament games to where the opponents are now shooting just 26.8%. Carolina is dialed in on defense. What about just points? Pure scoring. Let's look at that data. Prior to the pit game and including the pit game, Carolina's opponents were scoring 73 points per game on the season. In those 11 games since the pit game, where Carolina's 10 and 1, that number's dropped from 73 down to 66.6 game, uh, 66.6 points per game. Nine of the opponents have been held under 80 points. The lone exceptions were the game at Duke, where Carolina scored 94, and so Duke scored 81, and then the Baylor OT game, they got up to 86. Makes sense in a high-scoring old, old, I almost said Old Testament, overtime affair. And then um, six of Carolina's 11 games since the Pitt game, they have held their opponents under 70 points. And obviously much lower than that. You think about St. Peter's last weekend, for example, was just 49 points. Now, in the NCAA tournament, three of Carolina's four opponents have been held to 66 points or fewer. The defense continues to ratchet up. I'm thinking of the 2009 National Championship team. You remember that? All of a sudden, they decided to lock in, and really good things happen. Let's get a little bit deeper into the, the analytics side of the defense, because that's where some of it comes out even more. So, defensive... Um, rating is this points allowed per 100 possessions. And so um, that number for Carolina, uh, the defensive rating, points allowed per 100 possessions is under 100 in all four NCAA tournament games. They had only one other such streak this season. They had a streak of five games where that number was under 100. But the opponents of that five-game streak, UNC Asheville, Michigan, which they did a lot better later in the season, but were really struggling. Then Georgia Tech, Elon, and Furman. Not exactly a murderer's row of teams to hold down. But Carolina, in all four NCAA tournament games, has held their opponents under 100 points per 100 possessions um, on this metric. Um, so that's pretty incredible. And St. Peter's at 74.2 was the third lowest of the season for the Tar Heels in what they held their opponents to. And so that defensive rating you see coming way down. What about effective field goal percentage? This is a metric that takes field goal percentage but boosts, uh, gives a, a, like a bonus for three-point shooting to more accurately represent the extra point that comes along with the three-point shot. So when we look at that effective field goal percentage, like a, an average number is right around or just below 50% effective field goal percentage as a benchmark. There you go. Each of Carolina's four NCAA tournament uh, tournament opponents are below 50% on their effective field goal percentage. Take out Baylor's 49.2% because theirs went up as they were making that comeback. And the next highest is Marquette at 41.1%. So the other three opponents, Baylor, uh, other than Baylor, Marquette, UCLA, 
and St. Peter's are all at 41.1% effective field goal percentage or lower. Yikes. Carolina is doing all this on the defensive end. We've been talking a lot about the offense, but the defense is getting the job done. What about Ken Palm? That's um, an analytic site that a lot of people know and go to and love. For a lot of this season, the, de- it, the offense was holding up uh, their end of the bargain, but the defensive rating, uh, effective defense on Ken Palm, was hanging out in the 80s for a lot of the season. As of now, they've jumped all the way up to 39th in the country. Now, that's still not elite 39th in the country, but way better than when the unit was in the 80s. Now, they've got quite a test upcoming on Saturday. Duke is number one in the country in offensive efficiency. They're not going to shut them down, right? Duke's going to get their points. The goal is to contain them, continue to limit, like, we talked about those three-point shooting numbers and how well Carolina, how good a job Carolina was doing at limiting field goal sh- or three-point field goal shooting. They need to do that against Duke. Force them inside. Force them to try to score with Bancaro or Williams inside. We're going to talk about all that later in the week. Here's what's telling to me about all of this conversation we're having. Bart Torvik is another one of these analytics websites that a lot of people know and believe and trust, and I feel the same way. One of the things you can do on Torvik is look at numbers and data and metrics for a certain set of dates. So since we're looking at these 11 11 games post-Pitt, I put in the date that was right after the Pittsburgh game, and here is what's very interesting. In that span, following the Pitt game, Carolina is 21st in the country in offensive efficiency, but 5th in the country in defensive efficiency, and the highest rated of the four remaining teams. It's Kansas is next, and then Villanova. And Duke, while I while they are number one offensively in that metric, you know where their defense ranks? 171st in the country. So yeah, they're going to get their points. Carolina's going to limit it some, but their defense is putrid and porous, and Carolina's going to continue to run that pick and roll on Mark Williams and score at will. So, guess what? Even in the overall numbers on BartTorvik.com since that pit game, you know who the number one overall team in the country is by his metrics? It's the North Carolina Tar Heels. They're playing like the best team in the country. And they're playing with house money. So why not go and mess things up in New Orleans this weekend? So, Carolina's defense... It is clicking on all cylinders, and I don't know why, but no one's talking about it. We need to get people talking about it. So when you talk to your friends, why is Carolina doing so well? Look at their defensive numbers. They are killing it. So while most people aren't talking about the Tar Heels as a defensive unit or a defensive threat, there's a whole lot of other noise going on about Carolina's opponent this weekend. So how's Carolina going to manage that and Carolina's opponent's coach? Well, Coach Hubert Davis talked about that Tuesday at his press conference, and I'll share the answers and my thoughts in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between daily fantasy and sports gambling. So you can help you can take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing instead on the players that you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. 
Why? Because they eliminate the mystery about who or what it is you're going up against. In addition to Pick'em, they also have dozens of lineups that you can choose from. Preset lineups that you pick and then you put together a lineup for yourself and then you go head to head. It's a very simple, sleek, easy gameplay. can have you set up and going in just a couple minutes. And that's what Daily Fantasy was ultimately meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's again, stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are a great candy bar replacement option covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut almond, and new for this month is white chocolate shamrock. These are all delicious. Built Bars got new flavors coming out all the time. You gotta check it out. And at Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They're gonna figure out how to make it healthy too, but the first thing, the first consideration is taste. Not sure how they pull it off, but they always do. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High in protein, low in calories. High in fiber, low carbs. In fact, some of the actual numbers, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, just four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. That's great and awesome. Compare it to a candy bar that has around 240 calories. 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You don't want any of that noise. Get you a Built Bar. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Well, Coach Davis met with the media on Tuesday, and one of the things he talked about that the Tar Heels needed to do was block out all the noise that was coming at them. Um, his job, uh, his team's job, excuse me, is to turn down the noise. There's so much noise coming from everywhere. For, he talked about it's coming from phone, family, friends, and fans, and they got to shut it down and focus on the job that they have to do in New Orleans. And throughout the season, the Tar Heels have done a great job of literally shutting out and shutting down the noise on the road. I know this is going to be a neutral game environment, but we're going to talk more about why that might not quite be uh, such a neutral environment here in a second. But think about it. Uh, Outside of the ACC, Carolina went on the road. True road environment at Charleston won there. And then in the ACC, they were 7-3 and on the road, losing at um, Notre Dame, losing at Wake, and losing at Miami. Those were the three losses. But then after the, that Miami and Wake back-to-back, Carolina won every one of their remaining away games. Great, great, great. And the last of those games was Duke, at Duke. When we're talking about shutting out the noise, lots of noise there. Overwhelming amounts of noise. Infuriating amounts of noise puke-inducing amounts of noise from everything that was going on. What about even in the NCAA tournament? How do you shut out the noise when you're in Fort Worth to play Baylor, who is just 90 miles from their campus? You got a lot of noise in a neutral environment from what's ultimately an away game for the Tar Heels. Or last weekend, Carolina goes up to Philly to play UCLA and then ultimately St. Peter's. Now, I know the NCAA didn't plan this, but it's how it played out. St. Peter's is just playing 93 miles from their campus. Carolina has to shut out and block out the noise again. And you know what? 
in all three of those environments at Cameron Indoor Stadium, at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, and at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Carolina blocked it out, and they did their job even against big opposing crowds. Well, what about this game Saturday versus Duke? You going to tell me that that narrative of talking about Coach K all weekend isn't going to be there? It absolutely is going to be there. That noise is going to be all over the city of New Orleans this weekend, all about Coach K. Just like that game in Cameron, a lot of people are going to forget that North Carolina is even in that game. Good. Let them. That's what Carolina wants. They want to go down there and just mess things up. Hashtag ruin another retirement party. I'm just going to keep hitting you in the face with that. But that's what Carolina wants and needs to do, is just put their head down, go to work. Coach Roy Williams was on with Packer and Durham on the ACC Network on Tuesday, and here's something he said about the game at Cameron and what this game this weekend is. He said this, It's a heck of a lot more normal, it being the game this weekend, it's a heck of a lot more normal than that last game over at Cameron. That was an event, not a basketball game. Play the freaking game. This one is more normal. A little bit later, after going off on some Coach Williams tangent, he came back around to it and said, this Final Four game will be about the game. The last game in Cameron was about Mike, but I think this is going to be about the game. Now, when you hear that from Coach Williams, you might think he's saying that for everybody, that game was about Mike, meaning Coach Krzyzewski. You know who that game wasn't about Mike for? The Tar Heels. You know who that game wasn't an event for? The Tar Heels. That game in Cameron Indoor Stadium, that was a game for the Tar Heels. If you were listening to me back then, I was saying it all along. This game doesn't matter to Duke. It's all about the show, the circus of it. Carolina's going over there to Cameron to do a job, get an NCAA tournament bid with this victory. They're going over there to ruin a retirement party. They did that, and now they have the opportunity to ruin another retirement, going in and doing a job. Now, again, I'm not saying that Coach Williams is saying that the, the, the Tar Heels thought that that game was all about Mike. No, no, no. He was just saying on the national level for all the media and all the hoopla, that's what it was. I think that's going to be true. It will be more about the the game itself this weekend, but on this big national stage, you got to imagine every TV executive in the land is drooling over this opportunity to put Coach K in the spotlight on his way out. Well, you know what? I hope that light is pretty as it follows him out the door because that's what's about to happen. Carolina had some prior experience this year where they weren't so great at shutting out the noise. Coach talked about that. And he said that their focus, the team's focus, has to be what happens on the floor. Three Ps. Preparation, practice, and play. Now, let's, let's admit this. Duke is playing really well, much better in this tournament. Ultimately, they're playing better since they got whooped by North Carolina in their gym. I know they lost the ACC tournament to Virginia Tech, but they have played with more savvy, uh, more maturely in the tournament. They were down to Michigan State, easily could have lost in the second round, came back and won that game. Were down to Texas Tech late in the Sweet 16, came back and won that game. They pretty much killed Arkansas, so that was never a game. But Duke's playing a lot better. So is Carolina. Carolina found a script for how to play this game last time. 
think they might revisit that. We're going to talk about that more on Thursday and Friday's show. But the prior experience of blocking out all that noise in Cameron is definitely going to pay dividends this weekend. They're going to be able to block out the noise because of that experience that they've already had. How is that pressure going to get to the Duke players? I don't know. We're going to have to see. But it'll be a lot of fun in New Orleans this weekend. <laughs> Another Carolina team that had to block out a lot of noise this year and just went out and balled out is the women's basketball team. Their season, unfortunately, is over. They lost in the Sweet 16 to the number one overall seed, South Carolina. And so now we start looking to the off season for the Lady Tar Heels. What's ahead for them? More on that in just a minute, but first let me tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's nearly impossible for your local auto parts store to carry everything and keep everything in stock. And why do you want to have to go through all that rigmarole of like, uh, sir, what, uh, what trim of Honda Pilot do you have? I don't know, bro. Go check my manual. I don't keep up with that stuff. That's your job. <laughs> but with Rock Auto, I can just go online, select my vehicle, search for the parts I need, and it's all going to be there. I can find it for myself. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselvers for over 20 years. That consistency is something that you can believe in. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer and their inventory has everything that you need. So go to Rock Auto right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Well, the women's basketball team just finished up Coach Courtney Banghart's third season at the helm. Listen to this progression in her three years. 2019-20, the Tar Heels were 16-4, and four, uh, 16 and 14, excuse me, overall, 7-11 in the ACC, 7 wins, 11 losses, and tied for 11th place in the conference. Last year, 2020-21, they were 13-11 and 11 overall, 8-9 in the conference, uh, good for 8th place in the ACC. They did make the NCAA tournament, they were a 10 seed, lost to the 7th seeded Alabama Crimson Tide, 80-71 in the first round. But they made the tournament that year, and then this year, 2021-22. 25 and 7 overall that first 20 win season that's a big benchmark 13 and 7 in the excuse me 13 and 5 in the conference tied for third in the ACC they were a 5 seed in the tournament second round upset Arizona fourth seeded Arizona at Arizona's building remember that in the women's tournament the first couple rounds they play at the home gym of the higher seed so Carolina went to Arizona knocked them off in the sweet 16 uh I'm sorry, in the second round. But then in the Sweet 16, had a, had a good, strong showing against South Carolina, who's been the number one team in the land, wire to wire, but just couldn't, couldn't make the plays to pull it off down the stretch. Ended up losing 61 to 69. Now, while that's obviously a bummer for the ladies, do you see how cool that growth is? It's been slow, and it's been steady, and it's been consistent. Courtney Banghart's team is on the rise and epic big things are ahead. Now, it's so difficult what she's had to do because that first season, 2019-20, that was the season that was canceled right at the end because of COVID. And then last season, her second, 2020-21, was the year with all the crazy COVID restrictions and the tournament being all in Indianapolis, the bubble and everything. 
That's your first two years at a new gig at a Blue Blood program. And then this year though, as we return to a little bit more normalcy, that's when things really blew up. And what a season it was. It ended, yes, with, with a disappointing loss, but only disappointing that they didn't win. They put They had a great showing in this game a very respectable loss to who, the team who, again, has been number one in the land all season long. But here's the Carolina news. It's not a magical season that ends with a whole exodus because people are graduating or hopefully not transferring. The good news is this. Listen, listen. It's, it's just the end of a run this year, but big things are ahead. Try this on. Carly Littlefield, grad student, unfortunately, she's going to be gone. But other than that, the other four starters, Deja Kelly, sophomore, Kennedy Todd Williams, sophomore, Alyssa Usby, sophomore, Anya Poole, sophomore. Outside of Carly Littlefield, all four of the other sophomores, all four of the other starters are all sophomores, will be juniors next year. You probably had already caught on to this, but the women are set up for success for several years. Oh, by the way, not to mention the four freshmen on the roster this year were all in the Jordan Brand Classic, or invited to it. There was no Jordan Brand Classic game last year, but we're all on the rosters. Okay, so that's great. So what does that mean? The Lady Tar Heels are set up for success for, for several years as they continue to grow comfortable with Coach Banghart's plans and, and plays and designs and everything that she has for them as they continue to grow. Remember how much fun this women's team had this year. That's only going to grow and continue to get better as the years go by. So if you haven't been checking in on the women's Tar Heels basketball team, you need to make sure you do that next season because they got some big stuff coming, big stuff ahead, going to start really challenging. You know, Louisville and NC State, they were the class of the ACC this year with North Carolina just right on the heels there. The Tar Heels are going to jump into that upper echelon next year. Count on it. Believe it, it's coming. Legitimately, Coach Banghart has this thing rolling. It's fun to watch. It's super awesome. If you haven't checked it out, you have to check it out next season and watch what the Lady Tar Heels are capable of. Well, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please, if you would, go subscribe to the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, especially if you're on Apple where you can easily get to reviews, it would mean so much to the show if you would rate, review the show, give it five stars so that other people know to come check it out. That would be great and wonderful. If you don't already follow the show on Twitter, great stuff on there. Locked on Heels is the Twitter. Or you can follow me, at Isaac Shade. You see it right below me right here. Boop, boop, ba doop, boop, boom. <laughs> Send us an email. We'd love to talk to you more. Uh, the show's email is lockedontarheels at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Bring them in. We're headed to this final four, and we want to have a great community conversation. That's going to be great. More great content coming up tomorrow as we continue to prepare for what's ahead with the North Carolina Duke matchup coming up in the final four on Saturday. So thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. And let me now encourage you to make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like every other show on the Locked On Podcast Network, it's free and available wherever you listen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Wednesday to hang out with me 
talk Carolina, uh, mostly basketball today, right? That's all we're talking about because it's that time of year. It's March Madness. It's awesome. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, especially when you're getting ready to go hashtag ruin another retirement party. <laughs> Until tomorrow, peace! Peace!